What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. Today, I've got one of our Seven Figure Runway members on the show talking about his first deal. Like, amazing. Five months into the program, and he got a massive check for his first deal. If you want to find out how much, you got to hang around with us and listen to his story. He's got an amazing story. Uh, Like, honestly, during the show, I was pretty shocked. He got a job interview. He's living in Puerto Rico for like the first 26 years of his life, I think he said. He was living in Puerto Rico. Uh, visited Florida, got a phone call when he was back in Puerto Rico after he applied for a bunch of jobs. And they said, hey, we want to do an interview with him. He bought a plane ticket that day, flew back to the US or back to Florida and um, did the job interview the next day. So really cool story. A lot of uh, mindset breakthroughs and things like that that we talk about. I know you guys are going to enjoy it and I hope that it motivates you to get off the couch and start taking action in your business. My name is Bill Allen and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping and this podcast is our playbook. Everybody, we are back with another um, awesome show for you guys today. I cannot wait to interview my guest today. I haven't been doing a ton of interviews lately. It's been kind of like mixed, either me talking or past presentations. Um, And I really enjoy getting to know, uh, especially some of our members in the Runway and Altitude program, a little bit better. Um, And I always find out something really cool about them on the show. So um, we are jumping into some first deal shows and stories now. So I know I did a lot of these last year and the year before, where we'd bring some people on, and I want motivate some of you, whether you are just getting started, have never done a deal, or maybe you're like, you're struggling in that moment to get that first deal, or you had one under contract and it got canceled. And I really want to inspire you guys um, with some stories and show you that people that are out there doing it, that are just like you, um, you may even be more skilled in some areas than them and they're doing it. So that's what our event Flip Packing Live is all about. Everything that we do is really about belief. Like I want to shift the belief pattern in your mind about what's possible and that you can do it too. And once that belief change shifts, game over. You're, you're, you're off to the races. So I really say that from getting from that, uh, never doing a deal to that first deal, that's the biggest step that any real estate investor or budding real estate investor or entrepreneur can do. When you make that first dollar, that first dollar comes in your business. I don't care if you're selling uh, tennis shoes or um, stuff on Amazon or whatever, that first order and that first check that you get, it's like, holy smokes, like it's possible. And then it, it it just starts stacking. So um, I've got a great show for you. I've got uh, somebody that I don't know very well, so I'm interested in getting to know him a lot better uh, on the show. Um, but welcome to the show, Christian Hernandez. Christian, I'm so glad to have you, man. Thank you, man. Happy to be here. All right. Can you start by just giving everybody um, an idea of who you are, your background, um, a little bit of story about who you are? Okay. So my name is Christian. I was born and raised until I was 26 years old in, back in Puerto Rico. I moved to the States a little after uh, Hurricane Maria devastated the island. Um, it, it was a, a little bit rough of a time. I recently graduated um, college and I was ready to, I graduated with a bachelor's degree in accounting and I was studying for my CPA exam. And then it's just the hurricane hit and it was, it, it ruined everything. Um, uh, there was no internet, no electricity, no, because um, the reviews for a CPA exam usually are like on on the web. Um, it was really hard, and 
Um, after a couple of months, I took like a mini vacation um, with my cousins here in Florida, um, Lakeland. And um, after about a month, I decided that I like it here. I might stay. So I applied for a couple of jobs um, back in December of 2017 and then uh, went back to Puerto Rico. And I just waited for a couple of calls uh, to see if I, I got something or if someone was interested in hiring me. I just needed something. It just didn't matter if it was part-time or full-time. And uh, the one company that called was Walmart for a part-time position. I remember they called it Tuesday and they asked me if I could um, go to an interview that afternoon. I was in Puerto Rico, so I told them no. And I remember the lady just like paused and like, uh, really? Um, can you make it tomorrow? And I told her, yes, um, I can make it tomorrow. And I bought a ticket that same day. And um, I just went overnight. No, I went that same day and then interviewed the next day. I dressed up business casual, I, you know, you, you got to go all out if you want something. And she told me that she was a little bit surprised that I couldn't make it the day before. And she asked me why. And I told her, she said, I wasn't in the country. I literally, when you said that you wanted an interview, um, I bought a ticket that same day, came here. She took all the other resumes, threw them in the trash, and she gave me the job. Um, it was just funny. And then... Uh, I worked there for a couple of months. Uh, some things happened with the army. I was uh, I was also in the army um, reserve, and um, then I found a full time job, and I was there for uh, until 2020, which is when I found real estate. I didn't quit my job or anything. It's just um, I just found real estate, and um, it was during COVID. That's just literally. Google how to make money, um, and then I saw a flipping video on YouTube, and it, to me it was just amazing. As that's the concept of just flipping, it I didn't know that you could do that, but it just it was unknown to me, and I started just getting filling myself with information, and I decided that my first move should be house hacking. So I remember I started studying in June. And by September, I already bought my first house. Um, and I house I could till this day. Um, and yeah. And can you, can you explain to everybody listening what that is? Like, what did, what did you do? Got it. So house hacking is when you buy um, a house and you rent by the rooms. Um, your goal is to um, reduce the amount of mortgage you pay by as much as possible. In my, uh, so if you reduce, uh, a lot of people say, oh, I, I house hack, but I still have to pay $200 in mortgage. Listen, people, some people have to pay the full mortgage. In my case, I was looking to um, cash flow on it. So I went, um, the market was pretty good at the time. It was uh, um, houses, there were some new construction being built. And houses, house prices had, did not have go up, or it's not going up as fast as they um, went afterwards. And interest rates were very low. So it was very, it was, it was a good move. I didn't know at, at the time, but afterwards, um, when everything went up and it's just, it was a great move. Um, so I currently house hack a four bedroom, three bathroom. Um, 
and my cash flow on it, the, my, my, my roommates basically pay for my mortgage and I still cash flow on it. Nice. So you have three people that rent rooms from you. You have a four bedroom house, three bathroom house. You have three roommates that rent an individual room. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you make money on the house. So your mortgage is paid and it cashes cash flows. So this is amazing. Correct. Um, and uh, what I really love, if you guys are listening to this, June started studying September, bought his first house. So, um, I, I really does pay off to take, like, take action, right. To not get mm-hmm. stuck in that. Um, was it difficult to buy that first, um, house as a house hack or was it pretty easy for you to, to just not, jump in and, and do it? It was not really, it was, um, so I needed, needed a little bit of help. Uh, with uh, the whole renting and contract and all that thing, but the whole buying process, it was not hard at all. Um, it's it's if if you just gotta call and and, and like people think that they need a high credit score, they do not. In my, in my case, I had a very good credit score, uh, but it's it's fairly easy. Um, not easy, easy, but it's just simple. It's a simple process. It's not it's not hard. It's intimidating, that's for sure. Um, and so then, how'd you get over that? The intimidation behind buying a house, taking over this mortgage and not knowing if you'd be able to rent it and not having the, the rental contracts and understanding all the back end of that stuff. Like what made you just jump in and do it? I just heard <laughs> at, at that time, I just, I just thought of like saving money. Like I, I was paying an apartment, I was paying like $1,200 apartment. And I was just thinking if I can save those $1,200, I'll be so good a couple of months. And it's just like, yeah, and then obviously, uh, as uh, I learned a little bit more, it's just like this is going to be an asset that's going to pay for a lot of things. Uh, it's just the advantage of it. It was just I thought of it as an asset, and I never thought of of it as as like my home or anything. It was just going to be an asset that's going to pay for my bills. Cool. What I hear is like the pain of paying twelve hundred dollars was more than the risk. Um, was more painful than the risk of trying to figure it out on my own. And that's usually what happens. Like there's pain pleasure concept, right? And so if, if I, if I have $1,200 going out a month and I'm like, I need that $1,200. It's like, okay, what can I do to go figure it out? Just like you're down in Puerto Rico and you're like, Walmart is calling for a job and and giving it to you. And you're like, you know what? I really want to be there. This is my, this is the direction I want to go. Fine, I buy a ticket. Like there was no guarantee that you'd get a job, and you just paid money for a plane ticket, right? And a place to stay somewhere that night, and you had to eat, and all that stuff. So like you're paying money off an idea, and you don't even know if you'll get the job. But your certainty and confidence um, trumped that because you were driven and determined to do it. So uh, okay, what happened next? You bought the house, started hack house, ha- uh, house hacking it. What happened after that? So after that, it took me this September. It took me over, okay, so it was September 2020, and then we're in March 2022, so it took, I think, more than 18 months to get my first deal, my first wholesale deal, because um, I should have to take action. So I, I've been on both sides. I've been on the side that I took action real quick, and I've been on the side that's like, oh, what did I do, or uh, what's the best strategy? Oh. Uh, it's you. I was on the an analysis paralysis um, part because I I made a right move, but I wanted make I wanted to make the perfect move afterwards. Mm. Um, so it took me this long. It took yeah a long time to get that first deal. So um, after you bought that house hacking house, you were like marketing and looking for uh, off market opportunities and things I like was, that. Or I was still learning. I was spending money 
um, a lot of courses, a lot of masterminds. Um, and I was getting information, which was good because uh, I'm never going to say wasted money because I still learn. But I was always, um, I think they call it the shining object syndrome, where it's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I think I'll do flipping and then no, I'll buy and hold. Okay, no, I'll wholesale. And, and it was just, I never decided what to do. I never took action. I never made, made offers or anything. I was just like in a comfortable position too, because I already had my mortgage payment um, taken care of. So I was like, okay, I have time. So it, it was, it was kind of a trap too. It was, I don't know. It was, it was a moment uh, in time, but. Um, oh, this is totally normal. So like to break this down, um, once we get comfortable, so I see this a lot. I see it with people with full-time jobs. I see it with people who like have a plan B and plan C and plan D. If their real estate investing doesn't work, they join the program, they come to Flip Hacking Live, they join Runway and they're like, oh yeah, if this doesn't work, I got some backups. So, like, I don't know if it'll work for me. It worked for this person. It doesn't like, I see with those people a lot is they can get complacent and they aren't like, they won't just go all in. They're always like questioning it sometimes or like, I don't know if this is right. Or like you said, pivoting around. And it's like, no, just like, just do what we say. Like, just Mm -hmm. do the thing. Like, go make offers. Just go make offers. Like, if you make enough offers, you're going to get deals. And just when, when you pay a bunch of money for a program or a mentor, like, do it. And so it's, it's a lot of times I feel like the people that are really comfortable, I've seen a lot of people come into our community in the past. And I, I, I've tried to figure out the secret sauce, like who, what, what previous experience do they have? What background? Like what, what do they know? What do they know? Like who, what's the secret sauce? And I can't, I can't figure it out, but what I can figure out is the people that take that action, that listen, that go do the things and, and just repetitively do it, even in the face of adversity and, and getting shut down and stuff like that. Um, I see like wild success there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a lot of, I see a lot of military folks that are very successful because they're just used to being told what to do and they say, okay. And, um, and, and they're also like really determined, like your determination of flying to Puerto Rico, um, it, uh, flying from Puerto Rico to the um, interview and then just buying a house, not knowing all the other steps. And then what I hear a little bit, and I realize I'm kind of like putting this on you and I don't know much about it, but you got comfortable. Like you didn't have that $1,200 a month going out anymore. And that pain was starting to go away. And now you're like, okay, well, you know what? I can kind of take my time, learn a little bit more. And then I find like the more we learn a lot of times, the less successful we are. So like when I go to a mastermind event now, I I come out with 80 pages of notes, but there's just like one thing that I need to do next. And I try to kind of schedule it because if I try to do it all, I'm screwed. So like, do you think that buying all the courses was at the time, like you buy a course or a mastermind or something like that, it was like feeling like you were doing something because you were like watching the videos and training and learning and, and then buying that thing made it feel like you were making progress when you really weren't? Correct. Yeah. So it's just, if it, it, this is what happened in my case. It's like, okay, I learned this and then I'll take action on it tomorrow. It's like, I'll, like, okay, I can leave it for tomorrow. Okay, I'll do it tomorrow. Because I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm, I'm a little bit lazy when I'm like and complacent when I'm comfortable. Um, so I was just always like um, leaving it for, for later. Okay, I'll take action later because I've got all the information here. All I, do ha- all I have to do is like learn it um, and then apply it. But I never applied it. It's just like it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword. To be honest, because uh, you know you do have to have education, but um, it's it's like a diet, uh, like having a, a, a very good 
gym body. Like 80 per, um, 20% of it is, you know, going to the gym. Um, but the other 80% is, is having a good diet with real estate or any other entrepreneurship um, form that you do. Um, I think 80% of, of learning is, um, or success is just taking action. The other 20% is um, education. And then you learn by doing. Um, because what I did for my first deal is just I would never have learned it. Um, the, the, the whole experience, the things that they don't teach you, like the process, yes, the simple things to do. Um, yes, you kind of know what to do, but the rest of it is just, you have to learn it by just doing it. Yep. I agree. It's the manana principle that you're talking about. Uh, manana. I'll get to it tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've heard this so many times, manana, everybody says that, like, I, I think it's hilarious. <clears throat> it's like tomorrow never comes. Like yeah. we just put it off and put it off and put it off. It's like, no, do it now. Do it now. Mm-hmm. And so, um, okay. How did you come into our world? Let's start there. And then we'll talk about this first deal. So listen, I, I think I have a lot of luck. Oh, so the word of real estate or seven figure. Into, yeah. Like seven figure flip packing live runway. Like Correct. how did you find out? What did that look like? I don't know. It's just, it was random, uh, random sequence of events that if they had not happened, um, I would not have been there. Um, it, um, so basically I was at a couple of masterminds and I, I was like, um, one of them, I decided to, I took a lot of interest in wholesaling, uh, which I didn't at first. And that led me to another mastermind, which was specifically wholesaling. Um, and that mastermind recommended RI SIFT. And this is another program that I was paying for, but I, I was not using. So I was like used, paying for a lot of stuff that I didn't use because I wasn't taking action. So um, IRI SIFT, I think it was around the time of September, they were um, actually promoting your event. And I remember, um, I forgot his name. It's not, it's Ryan. Um, the, the owner of RI Sift. Um, oh, Tyler. Tyler. So I remember Tyler was saying, hey, um, Flip Hacking Live, it's, um, there's an event going in October. We always uh, give out some tickets. Um, please uh, fill out this form so you can get a ticket. And I just randomly put in my name and email. Um, and then it took me to a page for a hotel. And I was like, oh, this is a scam. I'm not going to pay a, a hotel, hotel for anything. So I just left at the bat and then a couple of weeks, um, I have, I think his name is Morgan. I wasn't Morgan, it was somebody else. And it was just emailing me, hey, you won um, the Flip Hacking Live, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, scam, because it's, I never win anything. I'm, I mean, it's just like, it's with, um, I don't have a luck for those things. And then Morgan emailed me um, saying like, hey, um, are you sure you want to pass out on this? You, you want this? and I asked him, like, do I have to buy a hotel in Orlando? Because I live in Lakeland. It's just like uh, 50 minutes away. And he says, no, you, you can you can stay where you're at. You can travel. You don't have to pay anything. It's completely free for you, in my case. And then I just went. It was just luck, to be honest. And then I was there. I said, I am not going to buy anything because I'm already paying for so many things. I am not going to um, join the membership if they offer it. And then you got me. <laughs> And then so I was why, just so like, why, why, what, what, so I've, I've, I've heard this before. People come mm-hmm. to the event, 
And they're like, we're leaving our credit cards up in the room. We're not buying anything. There's no chance. And then they do. Like, and and I'll, I'll be honest, like that was me. I, I was very anti-education. I, was, I, I wouldn't even buy a book when I got started. I was like, I'll just go to the library and get it for free. I was like, free, 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 free. Like, give me everything free. And I, I couldn't figure it out. Like, I just couldn't put the puzzle pieces together. It's just, and then when I saw the blueprint and I saw Andy and Justin brought me in, I was like, oh my gosh, like, it just opened my eyes, unplugged me. And, uh, and now I'm, you know, out of the matrix and, and realizing what's possible. So what made you make that decision to, to jump in? Like, what was it? So everybody uh, speaking at the event, specifically, um, the last names, the, their last name was um, Tacker, I think, the couple. Oh, Tackett, Stephen Casey Tackett. Tackett yes, correct. Uh, their story was just so good. Um, and and they, I think they, they were like recently started or something. It's just they took action. It's like, I mean, I can do that. I, I And myself, I'm like, I'm going to do this. Uh, I'm going to stop procrastinating. Um and then I, I thought to my, it was a stupid decision, um, um, uh, not a stupid way of thinking. I'm like, well, if I pay $1,500 a month, um, then I have to do this because I'm mm. going to go broke. Um, and that's, that's what I did. That's why I did it. Um, and so now, so, so it's interesting because you're talking about pain. And you're talking about pleasure again. So you're talking about like yeah. putting yourself in pain. Like you intentionally, it's like intentionally, unintentionally knew that this happens. You had $1,200 a month uh, payment before that you were like, I'm going to buy a house to figure out how not to make this $1,200 a month payment. And then you put yourself in pain of $1,500 a month to force you into action almost, right? And so sure. I, I, you said stupid, but it's interesting because this is how the human brain works. This is how we work. Like we put ourselves in a situation. I'll give a perfect example. I just bought a very expensive airplane. I have no idea how I'm going to pay for this expensive airplane, but I, I'll tell you, I'm going to value my time at a totally different level now than I did last week because now it's real. Like I have to, I have to make more income to pay for this and I'm going to come up with new ideas and new strategies and, uh, you know, and figure out how to do it. But until I, I just said, you know what, I've wanted this for a long time. This is the direction that I need to go. Now I need to figure out how to do it. And I just did it now. And now I'm going to put myself in pain to the tune of about, uh, $13,000 a month. And I got to go figure out how to make $13,000 a month, which is going to make most people go, wait, did he say $13,000 a month? Holy crap. And so we're just talking about an extra zero on top of the pain that you put yourself in, but that's exactly what it's going to do. It's going to drive me to figure out some new ways and new strategies to try to figure out how to, and, and, and also for me to say no to the little things. And say yes to the big things and push myself and become the entrepreneur that I need to grow into. Same thing for you. It's very interesting to hear that. So what, after you did that, you joined uh, the runway program. Um, what, so it's been about five months. Mm -hmm. Like what changed in that time? Like did we push you at all or was it the $1,500 a month payment? Like what was the thing that, because I think the early entrepreneur, the early person that's getting going in business, they need to figure out what it is to to do? Like, what did you start doing that you weren't doing before? Um, what are some of the tools that worked and tell the story about your first deal? Perfect. So I just, I, um, I just took the course. It's just ate it. The wholesaling part. I just, every little bit, a little, little bit, um, thing. I was taking action as I was um, looking at the course. Um, because I, I, I do like learning and studying. Um, but I was, you know, 
taking everything, all the, uh, it was just filling all the little holes that I've always asked, like, how do I talk to people? How do I negotiate? How do, how do I pick, how do I market? How, how do I um, um, do the stuff that I need to do to just get to people? Um, it all comes down to just talking and making offers, to be honest. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. Um, but I still was a little bit procrastinating, um, even um, last year. Uh, when I joined uh, uh, Seven Figure, it's it's just a little bit scared too, because um, it's 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 hard. Um, it's a little bit hard or intimidating just calling people and telling them like, hey, um, I'm gonna pay you about fifty to sixty percent of the value of your home, right? It's a little bit it's uncomfortable, but it's supposed to be uncomfortable, and it's a numbers game. Um, when you do a lot of it. One's going to um, come out. Um, so Becca pushed me a lot uh, to make offers, and I was making offers uh, but not not marketing the right way. Um, so I was just uh, just in limbo. I'm going to say it's just in limbo. Um, and then in February, um, at work, in the, where I used to work at, I, I used to work um, talk to a friend of mine, um, an older friend, um, and I you always talk about real estate. Like, I want to do this, I want to do that. Um, look at this, look at that. Um, and then a mutual coworker of ours um, wanted to sell her house. And he actually, I mean, she um, referred me to her just to go and ask her, what's up? Um, so I went to her desk and I told her like, hey, I, I heard that you were, um, you want to sell. Um, so just to give you a, a, uh, a brief explanation, um, it wasn't marketing at all. It was just at work. Um, but because I've like talked a lot about real estate and stuff and I've talked about what I did, I was able to, um, to be um, referred to that person. So I asked her what she was, uh, if, like why she wanted to sell. And at the time she, I knew that um, she was in an abusive relationship with her husband, um, but she finally separated. And she was also um, wanting to retire uh, and buy a new house. But the problem with her house is that it was it needed a lot of work. And she knew that it needed work and that she didn't know if she was gonna be able to sell it because her husband was still, still living in it. Um, and so she's just, She's just talked and talked and talked, and she's just like pour everything, all her problems on me. I just listen. I just listen and um, empathize with her. And then at the end of it, I just like told her, I offer her my services. Like, listen, even though I never did a deal, but I just, I was just, I acted like I know what I was doing, which kind of, I was, no, I just, I just did it. And I told her, hey, um, we buy houses as is. Uh, we close in 30 days usually. We can close in less or more, depending on what timeline you need. Um, and she she said that uh, I asked her for the, the address of the house, uh, and I ran my numbers, and I just told her, listen, um, with what you're saying to me, I can give you any the ARV for it. What I thought was, uh, what I found was three uh, 260 and then I told her, like, I can give you around 120, 160, depending on the condition of the house. 
Um, and that range of offer was what uh, made her keep me in mind because there was another buyer interested in it. Um, it was her pastors who were um, later on, she told me that what they wanted to do is um, take the house, take over the payments, and then they were going to give their house to them um, so they can live at um, and, and while they bought another house. But they were going to keep the house that they gave them plus the house they were, they were going to buy. So to me, it, it makes sense for them to do, go with, uh, with the pastors. Um, and I told them, listen, that sounds like a great deal. Um, but if anything happens, just, you know, let me know and, uh, I'll buy your house. And <clears throat> it was, a, uh, for the next two weeks, it was a lot of back and forth. Um, um, she was saying that, uh, one day she was saying, oh, I'll send it to you. And then the other day she would say, I'm going to go with the pastors. And it was like that for about two weeks. Right. But I was on her every single day, every single day I work, I went to her decks and I asked her, Hey, what's happening? Everything okay with your husband? I was like, I just, I was there. I was on it. And I remember that she said on a Friday, she said, oh, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to sell it to you. And I'm like, I did it. Uh, and then I told her, okay, listen, next week we'll set an appointment and then we'll look at the, at the house. Um, and then she came the weekend passed, and then on a Monday, she told me, hey, I already sold my house to my pastors uh, for $100,000. I'm like, my stomach just like went down. It was just, I felt so frustrated. Um, I was just so mad. Uh, at, at the same time, I, ha I do have a lot of respect for uh, pastors of churches and stuff. So I, I was like, I was just like biting my my teeth, grinding my teeth. I was like, oh, it's whatever. It's, it was the best for her. To be honest, at the end of it, I was happy for her because it was going to be a good move for her. So at, um, at the time, I was happy with myself because I actually wanted to help her. Because that's another thing with, with um, real estate. It's like helping and, and, you know, me getting money. And it's like, I, I don't want, I want to help people. Um, and, you know, and still make money. I just don't want money to cloud my judgment or anything like that. So I was happy with myself. It's like, I, I, I literally wanted her to be, you know, good for the best outcome for her. So, um, uh, Monday came and then on Wednesday, she went back to me. I'm going to sell my house to you. And I'm like, really what happened? And it turned out that the pastors, um, the house that they were going to give to them wasn't a house. It was a, a mobile home that needed work. So it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't apple to apples. It was just like, it, it was too advantageous for them. And then her sister uh, talked her out of it um, and told her to just go with me. And that's what they did. Um, but the thing is, before she said that, she, before she went to me, she went to the pastors um, and told them that they, she was not going to sell that, uh, sell the house to them. Um, it was only like spoken. And then the pastors, uh, they got mad and they told her like, told her something that I, I don't think they should have told her. They told her like, oh, I thought you were a Christian woman of your word, Christian woman of your word. And that was, uh, that she got so mad that I think that she sold the house to me out of spite, to be honest. Not because of, uh, 
the money. Um, but um, after that, um, we set out an appointment and the, the, um, I told her like, listen, I think with what you're telling me, I think I might give you like 150, 140,000. And when I went to the, to the house, I, I don't, I'm not a contractor, but I knew that that house needed a lot of work. It's just, I told her, listen, this is going to be even more than I thought. So I'm just going to tell, can we sign a 125 contract, $125? And she was, she went like, mm, I don't know. The neighbor in front told me that she could give me 135. I'm like, listen, it's a lot of work for your neighbor. So I'm going to give you 130, but give me, but I told her, give me two weeks um, and give me time to just do an inspection. Um, cause if the, cause I see I, what I see here, it's a lot, but I don't know what else there is. So give me two weeks. And then if by any chance we have to renegotiate, we can rene renegotiate. Um, uh, at the time I, when I signed the contract, I immediately sent it to title. It was just like not even 10 minutes after I left the house. Um, and then I sent it. Um, to a couple of buyers, um, there's a couple of crickets. Uh, I, I think I put it, at, oh, because then afterwards, I'm sorry, I went to a realtor, a uh, friend of mine, actually from the group, and she told me that the house, the ARB was anywhere between 315 and 325. I was like, oh God, that, that's way more than I thought. Uh, but it was in a, a strange area. It's not a very... Um, there was a lot of crime and stuff, but it was on the best part of the bad neighborhood. If, if it makes was sense. it Ashley that you went to? Huh? What is it? Was it Ashley? No, it was great. I mean, in my, I would, I would live there to be honest. Uh, it was, it was, no, no. Was the, nice. was the realtor, was the realtor Ashley? Yes, Ashley. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Ashley, Ashley so, Bearding. Awesome. Yeah. She's amazing. So, yeah. um, so that connection is, is good. Like having a tribe and a group of people that can help and that like two from two sixty to three fifteen is really big. Okay. So you sent it to a couple buyers. Um, was it easy to get it under contract, uh, on the back end to wholesale it or what was that? So I sent it to a friend of mine as well. He's a, a he does a, a little bit of everything. Um, and he told me that he might, he might be, he was kind of interested in it and he said that he would buy it and then afterwards he, he he asked me if I was interested in, in doing a JV with him and I told him listen I'm, I'm not getting anything on, on my buyers list so okay let's go um, <clears throat> and yeah and then I entered in a JV agreement with him and later on he scheduled an inspection and we did the, we did the inspection. I was there with the seller, and the uh, we th I thought that it needed a lot of work, and then the inspections inspections just show a whole lot more. It was the house was literally um, falling apart. Um, they had a new roof, but the previous owner, what he did is just he put a new layer of shingles on top of a layer of shingles on top of another layer of shingles. That the the roof was like this thick, and um, I remember the good thing is that Rosella was there. So every time he, the inspector found something, she heard of it and she was like surprised that like the house needed a lot of work. Cause the thing is, um, the house, they bought it, uh, 
for whatever reason, and uh, she bought it with her money, and she was paying the, the down payment. Uh, I'm sorry, she was doing the mortgage payments um, on it, and then the husband didn't help at all. Um, and then the house, anytime that a house had trouble, he was very cheap, so he never fixed it completely. So the house is just like deteriorating um, even more. Um, <clears throat> And um, so the inspector, the inspector did the inspection, and at the end of it, she just like I remember she grabbed her head and she um, said to herself, "I'm not going to be able to sell this house." And then I told her like, "Not by normal means." And then she almost started crying because she thought that I was not going to buy her house. And I'm like, "No, no, no, uh, I still, I'm still going to buy your house. It's just that you know we, we're going to have to renegotiate because it's it's a lot more." than what we thought. Um, and then I renegotiated from 130,000 to 197, I'm sorry, to, I'm sorry, 130 to 97,000. Um, <clears> and then the day after title company um, contacted us and said that there was an $8,000 lien on it. So I was able to negotiate it to 90,000. Um, so um, after that, uh, one of the problems was the husband, because even though he never, his name was not on the deed and he never made payments, it was still his homestead. So he needed to sign at the end of it, right? Um, so we were going to close on March 14th. And there was a little bit of miscommunication with the title. Um, basically, uh, the lien was still open with code enforcement, uh, city lien with code enforcement. And the, um, the, the, the title company asked us to contact the seller uh, for them to contact the code enforcement so they can close the case. Um, but they didn't tell us that we have to communicate it back to them. Um, so that delayed the, the closing for a week. Um, <clears throat> so it was delayed by one week, <clears throat> but the husband moved out the weekend before the 14th. Um, right. And it's very important afterwards because we thought that, um, we were always like going behind his back kind of like, cause in the end you, you didn't, since he was not on the deed, we didn't not need to negotiate with him. We didn't, didn't need him at the end of the closing table. Um, but going forward, um, uh, so that week passed and the title company, um, called the seller uh, and asked him like, is any of you, are any of you living in the house? And then she said, no, nope, neither me or my husband are living in the house. Cause he, he, he did have another residence, an apartment somewhere, but for whatever reason, he slept at the house. Um, and when she said that the, um, the husband didn't need, uh, the husband didn't live in the house, it was no longer his homestead. So they didn't need his signature. So, it was it was it was good because she, he was fighting with her like harassing her and like you better give me my half on the money for that house even though he never paid for it um if, whatever reason and then it all played out the way it did and he didn't get a check or anything um so at the end of it uh, my partner he um he got a buyer to buy it at 155 
and we got the contract for a hundred and for ninety thousand ninety one ninety thousand dollars. So even though I did I, I did make uh twenty eight thousand dollars, it was a fifty six thousand a fifty six thousand dollar deal. Oh wow, I didn't know that. So mm-hmm. um so you were J he he had a big buyer, bigger buyers list than you, so you partnered up with him on a 50-50 JV for the buyer's list. So Correct. we do that a lot in Pensacola and, and really any city right now. And But we cap it at $10,000. So like we set up a JV program where if we partner with somebody, we send it out to our buyer's list and we take 50% or 10,000, whichever's higher. I didn't want to go take 28, $30,000, stuff like that, just for finding a buyer. Um, so that, that's really, that's amazing. 50 plus thousand dollars, $55,000. So, um, so what, let's see, so you got, you got that end buyer, they took it, and then now what? Like, how do you feel after that? You got a check, I saw you holding a check, a picture in there. Mm-hmm. It's been, like you said, 18 months of work and all this stuff to now uh, get to a point of, I closed my first kind of wholesale deal. Um, how do you feel now? I don't know. I mean, I feel, I feel relieved. That's for sure. Like, finally, my first deal. But I didn't feel like as happy as I thought I was going to feel. It was weird. I, I compare it to like, I don't know. It's just like, for example, I have my family in, in Puerto Rico and I have a daughter over there. And when I go over there and I'm excited to see my daughter and I see my daughter and I hug her and stuff, that feels so much better. So it was like, I don't know. It was like, I, I always thought that money was like their goal. And after I had it, I'm like, it's not it's not it. And then I, I don't know, I just picture myself having a million dollar business. And I'm like, uh, that's not going to make me happy. So it's just, it's weird. It's just when you have it, that's when you're like, yeah, it's not, it's not all that. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's just a number, I guess. It's good to have that. How about, how about accomplishment? How do you feel on the accomplishment side? I finally did it. I mean, I don't know. I just felt like I owed it to myself, like after, you know, and it's just took a little action to me. It just took a little bit of action and, and kind of like hitting myself too. Cause if I already did, if I did that a couple of months, months, months ago, I would have already had my first deal. Uh, but yeah, I feel, I do feel like it's the first step. That's for sure. I, it's not, that's the thing. It's just, I'm, I'm moving forward to bigger things, bigger problems, I guess I call them. It's like um, hiring a team, um, stuff like that. Uh, but but yes, I, I do feel happy. I feel, I just feel relieved and like um, satisfied for sure. Um, but it's just, just that. Um, we'll see with in the future how I'll, I'll feel. Mm. I'll tell you, the, the thing that I see, you mentioned like it didn't come from your marketing, those kind of things. What you did was you put yourself in a position to be the person to go to for problems. And you talked about what you did. You did everything that I talked about in the January event, um, just like in your little world and bubble potentially, not nationally or on your social media channels and stuff like that. And for everybody that's listening in January event, I really said, look, you got to build a platform. You got to talk about what you do. You got to put yourself out there. You've got to be the expert before you're the expert. You've got to continue to, to, 
tell stories, to discuss what you're doing, to say, like, if, if people don't know that you're investing in real estate, they'll never know to come to you. And the more that they know, the more you talk about it, the more you annoy them, the more you're out there, the more that you're the person to go to when that thing happens. You're getting tagged on social media when they see a house falling down that's for sale on Marketplace. You're the person that your coworker introduces you to at work to, to link something like this up. It's not by chance that this happens. It's the fact that you put yourself out there. You communicated what you're, you, you said what you want to do out to the world and the world delivered that back to you. Like it's just, it's the way it works. And so, um, we got to wrap this up. We've, um, We've gone a little longer than I expected, but what what I do, I want to ask you something because we've worked on this a lot inside the program, um, and we're going to continue to work on it at um, in April in our uh, mastermind meeting in Cancun and going forward is really like our purpose and what's driving us. And at Flip Hacking Live last year, we talked a lot about this of, you know, you find your why, find your purpose, find your passion, what's going on. And so I, I don't know how quick we can do it in, but I figure it's probably important to end the show with like a lot of what you said, I'm flying from Puerto Rico to, uh, to Tampa, like that day when I get a job interview, um, I'm buying a house, I'm removing these expenses. You mentioned a daughter in Puerto Rico, like all of these things that are, something is driving you really hard to, to take action. And, and I think the more you capture that is, might be the thing that's pushing you right now. So what is that? And, um, what is that kind of purpose of why you do that, what you do? So I do all those things because I want to, I want to be with my family here. I want to bring my daughter, um, and, um, my fiance here. And all that, but in terms of like my why, I'm still figuring it out. I'm still figuring it out. But it's 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 something that I sometimes tell people like, if you don't figure out your why, that's okay. Just move it, you move forward, and then you'll figure it out afterwards. Like this was a very good experience for me because it it, it taught me, wow, this I got to figure out what's gonna make me happy because it's not money. It's, it's, it's real estate. It's going to, you know, it'd be a tool that I'll, I'll use, but I, I, I still figure it out myself. Like I want to figure out myself. I want to make, know what makes me happy. I, I want to work on myself. Uh, cause it's not that I'm not happy, but I, I know that I could be happier. Um, but, it, um, but yeah, I just, I don't know yet my why, but it should not prevent you from moving forward. To be honest, you can figure it out afterwards. Um, well, if I can give you something, it's if you look back at all of the different things that you've done and you try to figure out what's given you joy and happiness and, and growth in your life, like finding that, like now that you've got basic needs met, you've got all these other things, mm-hmm. what is it? Is it, uh, you know, giving back and contributing back to society, whether it's education or money or whatever that is? Is it, is it growth? Like for me, growth and contribution are my two top things that that drive me. I want to grow as a person and as a as a man, as a follower of God, as a husband, as a father, as uh, a mentor, of a coach, and everything. Everything that I do, I want to grow and I want to contribute. I want to give back, and I have more success. I I, I feel I feel more joy in you getting a twenty seven thousand dollar check than I do in getting a twenty seven thousand dollar check these days. And so figuring out how I do that is what why I'm in early this morning and why I'm going to stay um, at, at work extra hours or I'm going to do these different things. It just it drives me and gives me a ton of like feedback and and things that I I need in this life. I feel like I'm positioned 
uh, in a place right now with the platform and, and what we do and, and to do it better and to more people to come in that have been stuck in other masterminds or not, not taking action and figure out how do we inspire them to go do these things and build the best program in the world. Like that's my drive. And so for you, like looking back on all the different things, like, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect, but it might be, hey, you know what, right right now, money allows you to fly back to Puerto Rico and see your daughter and your fiance. And you know what? Hey, that's that's an amazing thing that I have this, that I have the ability to do that. And that's my joy, right? So the money is a means to do the thing that I find joy right. in. And, um, and, then, and then it becomes impact and growth and contribution and all of those things down the road. But um, I'll say like, definitely continue to work on that. If anybody's listening and you're like, I'm kind of feel like, like a little bit lost. Uh, my advice to everybody is like, find your tribe, find your people, find the people that really light you up and figure out what you love to do and do it. Like don't, don't sit around and do something that you hate to do for the rest of your life because you think it's the only thing that's available because it's not. And I will continue to say this, but real estate is the way to financial freedom. It is the widget that is absolutely amazing. You either love real estate or you love what it does for you. And, um, and uh, for me, I, I used to love it. I would watch the TV shows all the time. And now I love what it can do for me. I love what it allows me to do a lot more than I love the real estate. And that's okay too. And so, um, Christian, I had a great time talking to you, man. I learned a ton about you. I'm really excited for you. Um, Man, you're you. It's it's interesting because you're sitting in a place of like I'm not exactly sure my purpose or where I'm going or my drive or my why and all this stuff. But like you're you're so accomplished and you've made some really incredible decisions over time, uh, so almost like not even knowing why you did it. Um, putting yourself in pain uh, to to force you to do the work. Um, that's something that not a lot of people would do. And then actually like some self-realization of, Hey, I was just kind of stuck in this analysis process. I felt like I was comfortable. A lot of that stuff is, is really interesting to hear. And I know a lot of other people are doing the same thing. We have a lot of people that come to our events and like, I don't know if I can do this. Like I bought so many other programs and I just, I just, I don't know. It's just another program I'm going to buy and not do anything with. And it's like, you know what? You probably just haven't found the right place yet. You haven't found the right place for you. You haven't found the right thing. You haven't found the thing that lights you up. And 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 like you said, 80% of it is taking action. 20% of it is the is the information. I love that because uh, when I started losing weight like three years ago, it was 80% my diet for sure, if not more. <laughs> and uh, you know, going to the gym just accelerates that. So the 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 high level learning, the training, all that stuff accelerates the action, not the other way around. That all the training and learning and knowledge and information cannot make up for no action. It's just impossible. And if you don't have a good diet, you're never going to lose weight. Just the way it is. You might, you might lose a couple pounds, but it's not going to be <laughs> enough to even notice. And the same thing in business and life. So, um, all right. I got to go to another meeting. Christian, it's been amazing talking to you. Everybody that's uh, on the show, I cannot wait. Uh, for the next one, we're going to do more of these, these kind of first deal stories. And I hope they're helpful to you. There's some things that break through. If you're sitting there taking, not, not taking enough action, hopefully these will inspire you to go do that. Um, come to Flip Hacking Live, come to our events, come to the RIA, all the different stuff that we do. I will help you motivate, i help motivate you to get off the couch. That's my goal. And then uh, it's going to be up to you to keep going. So Christian, thanks for being here. I had a good time talking with you. Um, I'll see you guys on the next show. Bye.